0: Everybody welcome to this episode of the first episode of Liberty and Friends the first episode of 2020 as um yeah I, I i've missed you guys i hope you guys have had a wonderful festive season and you guys are back at work obviously um some of you perhaps not liking that um but if I we would really love that because the state of the economy is absolutely terrible. So hold on to your jobs, people. Um, hold on to that income. Um, again, welcome to the first installment of the uh, Liberty and Friends show for 2020. As we look to do really big things with this podcast and have it syndicated on, or the plan at least is to have it syndicated on community radio stations across the country, as we spread the word of liberty in communities that have never heard this message before and are actually held back from hearing alternative views by the very sort of of politicians I always talk about and rail against on the show, which is the sort of gaggle of leftist and trendy lefty politicians in this country. You know, if we're really going to change society, and you guys hear me talk about a lot about this, we actually need to be in the battle of ideas and get into the spaces where we're not heard um, very often and we are um, underrepresented, even though, ironically, the ideas we espouse are very popular in in um, in communities. I mean, the idea of placing power and resources into the hands of families and individuals, you know, who who doesn't want that except, of course, the the wily um, coyote that is the politician in this country. But uh, this is not a rant session for Big Daddy Liberty. Um, I have a very special guest on the show, someone who I really, really admire when it comes to um, just the sheer consistency of... um, of, of, uh, of, of, of ideology, you know, his, his ability to take a lot of these concepts that we talk about, um, and, and place them into very simple everyday English, um, often at times drawing from a, 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 a millennia, if you will, or a century rather of, um, of thinkers, you know, some of them, you know, if you, if you read the material yourself, you might be, lost and you know um because of just how difficult you know it it is but he's able to bring all of that into a wonderful conversation that that allows us the lay people um to be not only inspired but to learn and that's what i want this first episode to be you know as we set out the year the 20 the uh, the 2010 2020 sorry yeah um there's there's three things that i've done with my show in the first sort of week um and the various shows that i produce from blacks only which comes out every Monday on YouTube, to the big Liberty show itself, the flagship show, which comes out every Wednesday, and Liberty and Friends, this podcast, which comes out on a Thursday. Um, You know, in the first week of these shows, what I've done is set out, you know, what does 2020 hold for you and for us, South Africans, both, um, or in three areas, three core areas. Um, Obviously, the, the economy, like what um, what's that going to do is it going to serve you and your family or is it going to be more of the same where the state becomes ever increasingly bigger and bigger and sucks up all the resources like a Hoover vacuum Or and on, on social issues you know will we see more of the same culturally where these sort of leftists are infiltrating all the social and public spaces that are meant to protect all of us but are now ever increasingly becoming um, you know the purview of certain identitarians whether it's race or gender, whatever the case may be, and they deny others the freedom to articulate who they are. They deny others the freedom to articulate ideas that are not seen as, um, you know, part of the orthodoxy, the often leftist and identitarian orthodoxy. And of course, politically, you know, what will these politicians who I talk a lot about on the show, um, you know, whether I malign them as trendy lefties or, you know, SJWs, whatever the case may be, but what are these politicians going to be doing? Because they have effectively centralized power in our society to a point where we need to now pay attention to what they do because what they do affects our lives. So this is the three core areas that I wanted us um, or I set out perhaps in my shows Um you know, with with various thinkers from Ian Crookshanks, uh Gabriel Krauser we had on the show. So you can check out the material on my YouTube channel. Remember, you can find that uh, by searching Big Daddy Liberty on YouTube. Um, or you set out the economy, what's it what it's going to look like. And of course with Gabriel, we had that conversation about what some of the social issues may be for twenty twenty. Um and of course, uh, you know, with, with other thinkers, we, we, we've looked at other things on my High FM show um, that comes out every Tuesday at nine. You know, we, we spoke about what the year might look like politically. Um, and what I've done for this show and my special guest who I made mention of earlier on is um, the uh, one of the uh, writers and analysts and legal researchers at the Free Market Foundation, uh, Mr. Martin von Staden, who, again, as I said, is a in my book, a respected voice and an authority when it comes to all issues liberty-related, um, whether that's through the lens of econo- an economic view on liberty, social issues, political issues. And he's the kind of guy I wanted to have on the show to set out, hey, who are we as liberty-loving individuals? Um, What does it mean to be a liberty-loving individual, whether you are a liberal, classical liberal, libertarian, or even a, um, an anarchist? What does it actually mean? And Really, what is the battle that we're going to be waging um in South Africa in terms of the battle of ideas? Where should we be on, on certain issues? What should we be advocating for? What What are some of the loud issues that we should be fighting for? And of course, um, as we submit, I'm going to do what I always do in the show. I'm going to play the role of the, the trendy lefty. And I'm going to pepper my guest with um, all sorts of uh, usual Talking points and 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 tropes that we hear from the left in this country, and we'll see how and we'll hear how rather um, a liberty loving individual responds, so that you can also be armed with the arguments in whatever space that you are in, um, and guys I've waffled on for six minutes I really want to introduce my guest and he's chomping at the bits to to get involved in this conversation remember guys you can support the work that I do uh, by becoming a friend of the IRR this is our f- crowdfunding campaign we are wholly dependent on you and your support by sending 90 rand a month um, to our campaign you can do that of course by smsing your name to three two eight two three, an sms will cost you one rand terms and conditions to apply or oh, hey if you're part of those tech savvy individuals and you're part of the as the politicians love to talk about the fourth industrial revolution No, then find us online at irr.org forward slash join and you can support the work that i do here um at the irr and of course my other colleagues with on the daily friend and our other shows guys without further ado let me welcome the head honcho himself the man who i think you're gonna hear a lot more of on the big liberty show mr martin fuston martin hello hello
1: Hey, welcome for having, uh, thank you for having me. It is excellent to be here on the show. I've been following it for a while now and you do great work and it's a privilege.
0: Homie, it, it is a massive, massive privilege to have you on. And I'm a little disappointed I haven't haven't had you on before um, because I do think your, um, your, I do think your contribution to who we are as liberty-loving individuals in this country is understated in most cases. Um, You know, from your writing, because you've been doing this for a very, very long time, and it's people like you who often make an argument online, Mm -hmm. on social media, that, you know, people need to follow and pay attention to because of the consistency. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there are people who... Uh, in fact, I used to be in that category. You know, when when you're in certain other certain social spaces or political spaces, mm. you get swept up by you know yeah. the, the the current um, you know the, the um or the flavor rather of the moment. But it's always you know one always needs those individuals who are compasses that you can always come back to, mm. um, and who will guide you back back onto you know what is what what is it. Mm -hmm. What it means, excuse me, to be the liberty-loving individual Mm -hmm. that we say we are. Mm -hmm. Um, So Martin, let me not waffle on and on and on. Let me first begin by saying or asking, who is Martin from starting and what do you do?
1: Oh, well, yeah. So just on, on that point you made, I mean, people are afraid of this word ideologue. Now, I happily describe myself as a libertarian ideologue, a classical liberal or a liberal ideologue. Uh, I think that if the ideology that you've chosen is uh, morally and principally correct, then you should have no qualms about being an ideologue, being a market fundamentalist, or oh dear goodness, or a radical or something like that. I think we should be proud of that um, as, as ideologues in this camp. But yeah, a little bit more on me. So I uh, I am a a lawyer, a jurist by training. I am currently pursuing my master's degree in in law at the University of Pretoria, where I also got my my undergraduate, my LLB in 2016. And it was there where I became a so-called libertarian. I used to be a social democrat. But then for the first time after school, I actually met real socialists. I've described myself as a socialist, but I never met them. And talking with these people, I was like, geez, you're really evil. <laughs> and, and I couldn't uh, reconcile myself with, with being in that camp because yes. they just believed in naked violence, violence against people all the time, consistently, and no choice on their part. And I said, wow, this isn't going to work for me. Um, and yeah, I was introduced to Liberty through the anarchist school, uh, Murray Rothbard. Uh, uh, but I, I'm more of a monarchist now. I believe in a limited government, a limited state, uh, because the uncertainty that comes with anarchy is something I don't think is terribly desirable. Uh, but
0: uh, <laughs> don't let yes,
1: <laughs> we have this conversation very often at the office. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and um, I've I've really uh, delved into to Liberty from a legal perspective and also working at the Free Market Foundation as the head of legal, as I do, uh, what I concern myself with mostly is doing submissions to government on legislation, telling them just how uh, inconsistent it is what they're proposing with the values that our society is supposed to hold there under the Constitution, but also just as ordinary, decent human beings. Mm. The idea that you constantly want to interfere in what private people are trying to do with their own lives, I think there's something... uh, almost perverse about that mm. uh, it's it's almost uh, uh it, it's weird that you just constantly want to be involved in other people's business mm. i mean it's it's i'm i'm actually at a loss for words for it at that how uh, weird that is um and that's that's the point uh, that we make and and also this this idea that our constitution is in fact um not purely libertarian but very much libertarian and uh the the way our courts and our government have construed it to be is is very socialist, mm. and I think that's a great loss to us. And I see it as partly my my job to to I I don't know re- um rehabilitate uh, the the constitution in the image of the liberal. Uh, institution that it is it was uh, the liberals who basically created the the environment for the constitution to be drawn up during the transition and a constitution is a liberal instrument constitutionalism is a liberal product from uh john locke i think you can basically say being the first constitutionalist and he was 100 percent liberal so uh yeah, that's that's the summary of what I am and what I keep myself busy with.
0: And I want to unpack a lot of these areas because I think they speak to, um, what I was making mention in in my opening, which is you know, it's it's that consistency in mm. in, in and allowing a lot of us mm. who operate in the space of advocating for freedom, advocating for liberty, um, to go back to and go, okay, wh- where am I straying? Here? Mm. What's the so? I, I'm gonna put a few questions to you, and I want to see how you sort of um hash them out. So. We live in a society which is ever increasingly seeing um, those who centralize power, whether it's in the world of business, mm. in the world of politics. Often, mm. those two are very intermarried in how they do it. Um, ever increasingly appropriate for themselves, mm. the ability to say what should and shouldn't be in society, often mm. at the expense of yours and my freedom. Yeah. Um, and we are going to be—we're going to talk in specifics just now. Mm. But I want to I want you to set out broadly. Um, why is liberty important, mm. um, uh, uh, Martin? And what does it mean mm. um, for someone to live in a free society? What does a free society look yeah. like in the broad sense of, sure. of how a liberal, a classical liberal and a libertarian would look mm. at this issue?
1: Okay, so briefly, let me summarize, I think, two, the two broad approaches to liberty. I think the, the first one, which will bore most people, is the philosophical approach. Yeah. Uh, so the idea is we are self-owners. We are born, we're independent. We don't have a hive mind, I think, unlike bees and, and, and ants. Uh, we, we we don't know what we think we don't know exactly what our fellows need, what they want it's impossible for us to know, we can never know and uh, uh, that speaks to us being entitled to control what we do because we are the only ones who know what our own interests are, mm-hmm. who know what we need and want uh, other people may get an idea of what that is but we will be the only people who know one hundred percent, what it is that we need, or at least what we want, uh, which I think is enough. Uh, so that's the the philosophical basics of of liberalism, yeah. self ownership. It started with John Locke and uh, so, uh, some other people. They articulated this this very clearly. Um, we're simply entitled by the nature of our being. This is the, the idea of a human right. We have these rights by virtue of u- our humanity. Uh, not how human rights are seen nowadays, mind you, but but human rights in the very original sense. Um, but then there is, I think, the more exciting aspect of it, uh, uh, the the second approach to liberty, and that is how it just works. Uh, it works everywhere it's been tried, I think, without any exceptions. Now people may point to robber barons and all these things, but you'll always, if you really investigate those situations where liberty apparently did not work, you'll find the state somewhere. The Mm -hmm. state is doing something Mm -hmm. that is causing it to, quote-unquote, not work. But uh, if you look at uh, the index of economic freedom, I think there's two, one by the Heritage Foundation and one by the Fraser Institute. Both simply show that where markets tend to be freer, people tend to be richer. And I think the most important metric uh, uh, in in that regard is that it shows the poorest 10% in those societies. The very poorest of the poor are, I think about eight times wealthier than their counterparts in the most repressed societies, economically repressed societies. So it's better to be poor in a free market. Now that may seem counterintuitive. Many people will think you wanna be poor where government is just providing food and welfare and everything, but that's simply not the case. Uh, the freest markets are the best places to be poor. Now, yes, it has turned out that the freest markets today tend to be also be the markets with large welfare states. Yeah. Scandinavia, uh, parts of Europe, uh, the United States is up there as well. But that that's certainly part of a free market. But if you have a unregulated market, as they tend to have, yes you get money for your welfare state. That's now, right. I'm not endorsing the welfare state. I think it's a bad idea. But if you truly want a welfare state, you need a free market. Uh, you need an unregulated market for If it. I
0: can just quickly interject there sure. because often when you when you have these debates on social media, mm. you'll have that that individual that says, "Oh, but what what about the Scandinavian mm. yeah. countries?" You know, they're socialist and of course no. they start citing their, mm. their their big fan girl um mm. Uh, what's that lady from America, Ocasio-Cortez, you know, who waxes lyrical about this notion of democratic socialism, Mm -hmm. democratic socialism, Mm -hmm. and how, in in, in terms of our case, they'll argue South Africa needs to be a democratically socialist nation. Mm -hmm. Um, But you've made the apt point, haven't you? Which is, Mm -hmm as it relates to um how that money is generated for mm-hmm. all of that redistribution mm-hmm. it's out of essentially great amounts of economic freedom uh, yeah. they don't even have uh, you know minimum wages in some of these countries mm-hmm. uh, yeah. martin
1: yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, uh, the, the way I often put it is that you can't have a regulated market and a welfare state, re- a regulatory state and a welfare state at the same time. Mm. That is what South Africa has been trying in yes. earnest for the last few years. We have doubled down on regulations in everything. I mean, they're nationalizing sports, for goodness sake. Uh, and they're increasing taxes. I mean, I, I think I read this morning that there's going to be a surprise tax increase and increase in VAT in April. Uh, and they're increasing welfare, they want mm. to uh, the the uh, governing party, I think had a big billboard somewhere uh, I think when it was celebrating its birthday that so many millions of people are now on welfare, and they're celebrating that so I mean that's <laughs> you can't have these two things at the same time now, if you want to make the so called pragmatic argument and say, "Wow, well, people in South Africa are very poor, we can't just." rip welfare from under them I am happy to hear that argument I I think that welfare needs to be phased out consciously and uh, there needs to be progress in that direction but fair enough we can't take it away immediately but we need to deregulate and we need to deregulate hard and immediately so ESCOM uh, is the prime example that it's on everyone's lips right now we need to allow people to provide power for themselves and for their neighbors uh, in a in relatively unregulated <laughs> (laughs) market, and it would be great if we could get rid of ESCOM and privatize it in the process, because government has now shown over the last two decades that it's simply totally... Uh, incompetent when it comes to producing power. And we can't point to Europe and say, but it, it works there. State-owned yes. companies work there. The, the message that libertarians try to to, to give over to, to, to statists, for lack of a better word, is that you need to look at the lowest common denominator. Mm. You need to look at what would happen if we had an incompetent government. And South Africa is the great case study. Mm. So if that European country did get an un- incompetent government, the exact same thing would happen. Mm. That will not happen in a free market because it's decentralized. Mm. there will be various power companies and if one fails sure some people will be inconvenienced but it won't be a catastrophe like it is here
0: how i want to how i want to structure this conversation is in in three major parts we will we'll take the issue of freedom and liberty and mm-hmm. break it, view it through the lens of these three areas. So we're going to look at the economy, how we structure mm-hmm. a, a free a, a free economy, if you will, mm-hmm. sorry. Um, we'll look at some social issues as we mm-hmm. sort of, um, there's been some stuff that bubbled in, mm-hmm. in the news cycle in the last week. And of course, we'll look at politically, how, how, yep. what does a free or, yeah, what, is, what does government look like mm-hmm. in, a, in a free society? Mm-hmm. And then we'll end off with me playing the leftist as I disagree with all of this mm. um, and and see how you, you deal with that. So let's begin with the economy. Martin, you've really touched on some yeah. key areas mm. and key topical issues that have been a, a, a major problem. So mm. Martin, the South African economy right now is in the doldrums, yeah. um, you know, any forecast of growth is zero point something in yeah. most cases. Even the World Bank and the IMF mm-hmm. are beginning to pay attention and go, no, these guys are really in trouble. Mm-hmm. What has been at the heart of the collapse of the South African economy? If, mm-hmm. as, as a libertarian, you're looking at this... Mm-hmm. Um, and you have free reign to look at the various issues that we've, we've, we've gone through. Mm-hmm. But someone might say to Martin, yeah, but Martin, hang on, dude. Um, the ANT has made a lot of progress as they have on social, um, on socioeconomic issues, providing housing and all those goodies. Mm-hmm. Um, all they just need to do is double down on all this mm-hmm. and, and, and spend and print the money that we need because we've got the money, as, mm-hmm. as a lot of lefties would say. Mm-hmm. Um, we just need to print more money so that we can spend on these social programs. Mm-hmm. Um, but Martin, what's wrong with this assessment and what got us to where we are?
1: Okay. So let's sort of what's wrong with the assessment. Printing money is a terrible idea. Uh, I think, uh, Weimar Germany tried it. They had hyperinflation That's you can maybe point to that and say that's part of the reason for the second world war. That's a disaster. Uh, our friends to the North Zimbabwe tried this because mm. they didn't, they ran out of money. They needed to pay their soldiers. They couldn't because the money that they printed was worthless yeah. because if you have more of one thing, a uh, scarce resource being money, it becomes worthless. Uh, one rand is worth less when everyone has a billion rand in their in in their pockets Mm. and very uh, topical now i think venezuela has tried this they have printed money uh just like in zimbabwe people cannot buy an apple with a cartload of bolivars so printing money i think even to the left should simply be out it's Mm. so obviously a dumb idea What they are keen on now is this thing about uh, uh, redirecting uh, uh, pension funds to SOEs. Now they Mm -hmm. think that's going to work, but that's the coming to what has gone wrong. And that is, you've just told foreign investors, you've told local investors, Your money is not safe here. We don't care about your interests. We care about our political interests and we will seize whatever we want from you in achieving our ideological goals. And Mm -hmm. this is an evil ideology. So uh, in that case, being an ideologue is very bad. It's Mm -hmm. evil. so that has been the problem here. It's a lot of uncertainty, but I don't want to say that uncertainty is a problem because it's quite certain that this government has no regard to property rights. Mm. And I think any foreign investor who invests in this country now is, is stupid, to be quite honest with you.
0: But then Martin, um, I think I'm going to play the role of the lefty quite early. <laughs> but then Martin, the lefty would say, yeah. um, property rights are... are, are you, you're just being a right-winger, Martin. Property rights are not that important. As long as the state controls all property, it can then decide who gets what. Mm-hmm. And I trust politicians, Martin, mm-hmm. because I'm a lefty. Mm-hmm. And if Malema says, or Flo Chivambo, or Cyril, mm-hmm. Ramaphosa say that they'll they'll give me, they'll take from you, Martin, the rich person, mm-hmm. and give to me, the poor person, which obviously then deals with inequality, mm-hmm. then why is that such a bad thing? That's good for the economy, Martin, isn't it?
1: No, in the first place, the our history here in South Africa, the proves that this is exactly what government has been saying in this country uh, since the end of apartheid and probably arguably before that as well uh, that hasn't happened um, and 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 it comes down to this fact politicians are human beings uh, human beings are imperfect we have our own agendas every person has their own agenda and we have incentives that drive us there is no Altruistic gene, I guess, that just drives uh, people like Julius Malema to just want to share the wealth among people. He is a politician. He has an ideology now. His his uh, his agenda may be very simple, in that he wants to enrich himself, or it may be ide- ideological. He wants to uh, satisfy the various tenets of Leninism. Uh, now, it's, it 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 rarely has anything to do with uplifting the people. Um, and then then we come to. Uh, the calculation problem of Frederick von Hayek, uh, the great classical liberal, Nobel laureate in economics. And that is simply that they cannot know. A politician in a central planning room cannot know over a big population what people need, what the economy needs, what needs to happen next. They cannot know. So them planning this whole thing out saying we're going to seize land from you and give to you, it doesn't work. As we've seen with the restitution process so far, the idea in the head of the the politicians is that there's this hunger for land. Uh, people just need land because they wanna be subsistence farmers. Mm-hmm. The, the the practice has disproved that. When when it comes to restitution, people say, give me, give me compensation, give me the money so that I can get off rural land yeah. and I can go into the city where the opportunities are, where recreation is, where the whole world is moving into cities. We don't want to be rural farmers. Yet this narrative has gripped us that land is gonna be the solution. But all experience is against that. All principles uh, of economics just go against this leftist notion that property rights are unnecessary. Property rights sets your jurisdiction over the world. Mm. It, But if you have this idea of common property, which is what uh, the more radical leftist parties want, want all land to be owned by the state, you have this massive common property you take away those incentives, you only make the incentives for the politicians relevant. Uh, your incentives as a, a small-scale farmer to sell produce and, and make money off it, become prosperous, that is totally irrelevant. It now matters what the bureaucrat in the land, the land office mm. thinks about it, and it's never gonna align with your interests.
0: No, no, Martin, you're wrong, you're <laughs> wrong. Remember, you're wrong because I'm a lefty and I know everything. <laughs> and in the left, Martin, we basically suggest that once something is earned, by 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 the people, right? Mm. This concept of the people, nebulous mm. concept anyway. Once something is owned by the people, then the people get to decide, mm-hmm. Martin. It won't be it won't be Julius Malema who makes mm-hmm. the decisions. It'll be us the people. And um, real wealth, Martin, comes when we own the land. Once we, once I take the land from um, those those productive farmers, mm-hmm. whatever race they may be, by the way, because mm-hmm. you know people think that you know it's just targeting whites, and no. Mm-hmm. Once we take things from those who have, essentially, mm-hmm. and we de- redistribute it equally. Amongst Mm -hmm. everybody and everybody has a nice parchment of land, a hectare Mm -hmm. somewhere in South Africa, whether it's in rural, uh, the rural Karoo or, Mm -hmm. you know, Houghton somewhere. Mm -hmm. Then in that equal society everybody becomes rich and the economy hums because we all own the land. Martin, isn't that true? Doesn't, isn't that what the economy needs to get going?
1: No, so none of that is true. So on, on the first point about uh, we decide we the people the common property, uh, funny enough, that's not just a leftist idea, but a lot of people on the right have similar ideas about uh, the commons and, and we need to be, be take care of the commons. I mean, it's all all nonsense. So the, 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 the one thing that, that, that I've alluded to so far that just blows the commons out of the water is the tragedy of the commons. I think many listeners will be uh, familiar with it. But in summary, basically, if you own something, for instance, uh, Uh, a hectare of grazing land for your cattle. You're going to want to make sure that your cattle does not overgraze the land so that it can keep grazing the land and that you can keep making money off it. You're not going to use it up in one go and then your business is closed. That is private property rights. You have this incentive to take care of your land, to not destroy it, to not uh, uh, exhaust it when it's a common property and you're a common farmer along with many other farmers and the only person who decides sits in an office a hundred kilometers away in Pretoria, then that falls away. Mm. You That is not your grazing land. And you're gonna want your cattle to graze as much of that as possible Mm. before your neighbor comes and grazes his cattle on that. You're gonna try and extract as much benefit from that as possible, because at the end of the day, you are not paying. So that is the tragedy of the commons in essence. Common property gets destroyed because of its common nature. Uh, Just a quick example, the NHI is another very real example. Once you take private medical care and you make it common, people are going to sit in lines at, at hospitals because it's, it's not, they're not paying for it anymore. And that is going to destroy the system. You're going to have a cough and you're going to be like, well, it's free. So I'm going to go to the hospital. Mm. You're not just going to try and sleep it out. Like many people do nowadays. So that's just uh, one example. And then, and then, uh, On the democracy point, we decide. That has since Athenian days not been the case anywhere. And it's totally impractical unless your state is about as big as 20 people. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's simply not going to happen that we the people decide. It's always going to be we the politicians decide. Mm -hmm. Uh, 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 There's a a term, diminishing consequences in democracy. The greater your population, the less of a say you have. There's a simple mathematics. Unless parliament becomes massive and unsustainable, there are just too many practical problems in this we the people decide story mm. uh, it, it it simply doesn't happen and then just on on the land um we see societies like monaco uh, um, andorra the smallest countries who have virtually no land or it's all mountainous land they have the highest standards of living hong kong up until quite recently unfortunately mm. um Highest standards of living in the world. Mm -hmm. No land whatsoever. So to tie land and wealth so uh, closely together is simply to ignore the facts. Now, you may make the argument that land in South Africa is very tied up in cultural identity. And I think that's, Probably true uh, for everyone, and that is why, as liberals, we absolutely believe in restitution. Mm. If you can show that this land was seized from my family a hundred years ago, and I want it back in my family, then yes, you need to get that land back, absolutely, government. Because that's an navigate. issue of
0: justice. Yes, um, justice. not social justice, but no. actual justice. Yes. Um, yeah. And I, I agree with you with that because, and, and I think it's important that you raise that point because you often hear people say, "Ah, oh, you libertarians, you liberals, you you right wing you don't want to have the land." brought back, so to speak. Mm. Um, But their concept of bringing the land back is is a social justice definition, the idea that by virtue of me being black, uh, Martin, I'm entitled to, um, you know, to land um, yeah. because the thesis is white people and whiteness mm-hmm. um, these concepts we hear a lot from social justice warriors um, stole the land in inverted mm-hmm. commerce. in fact you yeah, have political parties who trade on that that slogan like, yeah. you know white stole the land um, and it perverts the real justice then doesn't yes. it the idea that actually there are individuals in this country yeah. who can trace back with hard evidence and yes. you know a, a rational way of proving something mm-hmm. that they had land stolen but they get lost in the whole nebulous idea that blacks are entitled to land
1: yeah yeah so that. That's a a massive problem of this whole narrative so there are three concepts at play here there's restitution justice everyone the African customary law Roman Dutch civil law English common law everyone agrees that there needs to be restitution nobody is saying no restitution Mm -hmm. Then you have redistribution and you have nationalization. Now, redistribution means that we're going to take land from someone and we're going to give it to someone with no relationship to that land for a political reason, their identity, or just because they're poor or something. And nationalization, of course, what the far left believes, and that is just the land must be owned by the state for the benefit of all people. Now, the fact that all three of these terms are in this debate really confuses it Mm. because government almost exclusively uses the rhetoric of restitution mm. it says the original sin uh, it, it talks about um, the land must be given back and all of this is restitution and we agree but what they're angling for is at best rest uh, redistribution and at mm. the very worst nationalization and as you say these real victims who can show that they've had land seized from them their story gets totally lost in in the political nonsense that's happening. And I mean the, the point is often brought up that it you can't prove it. you can, you can't prove that uh, this individual's ancestors land was taken. And as a lawyer I need to call nonsense on that because the apartheid government, at no point thought that what it was doing was evil. The, the Nazis at some various points knew that what they were doing as e- was evil. The apartheid government thought that what they were doing was extremely fair. And as a result, they took meticulous record of all the land that they expropriated. Not only did they take meticulous record of it, they published it in the government gazette That's every single right. time they expropriated black land. They said, be, be on notice. The government is expropriating this plot in this district. Uh, make representations if you want. Mm. If you and all the government gazettes from the beginning of the Union of South Africa are available, mm. it can be proven. It can be uh, very reasonably easily proven. That's absolutely so restitution is very possible. It's within our grasp. It's there. We can do restitution and finish it within a very short space of time. Mm. But government has an ulterior motive. That's it right. wants to control the land. It wants to, and it and it does. The, the property it's already taken. That had to be restituted. It's still owned.
0: Government still owns that property after many years. So its it's an agenda is clear. Well, le- le- let me support your point. I mean, there, there's a case right now of a Northwest farmer who just won a court case mm. um, where the court said, look, guys, you've been promising this man, you'd sell him this piece of land that he's been working on and you mm. gave him as part of restitution, in, um, mm-hmm. or excuse me, redistribution, inverted commas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you promised him to sell... You promised to sell, sorry, the land over to him so that he has a title deed. Mm-hmm. He's already shown that he's, you know, he works the land, he owns the land in every sense of mm-hmm. that um, of that word. But the state fought tooth and nail mm-hmm. um, to deny this man yeah. property rights. And mm-hmm. worse yet, with the court now having ordered the sale of the land at a agreed price back mm-hmm. then, I think it was 50-something thousand rand, mm-hmm. um, the state now suddenly says, the very same state mm-hmm. that argues um, we shouldn't be using market-related um, uh, appraisals for mm-hmm. land and, th- you know, the state should decide the cost of that mm-hmm. is now arguing in this case no 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 no. we're gonna sell the land to this man but we want market uh, ah. price um and, that, and that's over 50 something million rand i think Jeez. um for the land yeah. now it's that inconsistency and the point i think i made on, on social media uh, um just commenting on this is to say um that inconsistency is text textbook the state number one firstly mm-hmm. number two um if you had any illusion that the government and with its um, uh, various uh, policies for wanting to to redistribute land Mm. had the intention of there being a a black middle class that works land and Mm -hmm. is productive, if you had any illusion that that's what the goal is, mm-hmm. then you should see in this case of Mr. Rachase mm-hmm. that that's actually not... The, they don't want an independent, mm-hmm. property-owning, prosperous, someone with property rights. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to control that individual and have a bureaucrat mm-hmm. tell them what is and what isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, a quick comment on that before we move on? Yeah, uh, so, so,
1: I mean, on that, let uh <laughs> Property rights are supposed to be direct incentives and then to an extent control incentives. Now, let's say government redistributed land and said, okay, we're gonna do this for the next year. Everyone who gets redistribution land, so-called, gets total property rights over that. As a libertarian, I would say that is theft, yeah. firstly, yeah. but it's fair enough because you're actually gonna give those people property rights mm-hmm. and that's gonna be the end of it. They're gonna be owners, government goes away. Now they're owners, And they have incentives and the land is going to get worked and things are, the economy is going to pick up. I'm going to oppose it, but it's not going to be as tragic as what they're actually doing now. Mm -hmm. So what they're doing now of expropriation without compensation and the watering down of property rights as a legal concept in this country is that you're going to receive land and you're going to become the so-called owner. But the legal regime says that the government can seize that property from you, even though you're a so-called beneficiary at any time, and basically for any reason that it deems to be in the public interest. And that is where the big problem comes in, that even if government was doing what it said it was doing with redistribution, it has no respect for property rights. Now, if it really believed in ownership as much as it did, as much as it claims to be, ah, we need to set right the skewed patterns of ownership in this country, because ownership is important. If it really did, then this would be a inconvenience for now with a potential prosperous future. What they're setting us up for is a future of conflict, continuous conflict and no development. Because if I know, if I'm a beneficiary and I get this massive farm, it's great. I'm not going to invest in that farm knowing full well that the system that I received it in allows anyone to just come and say, ah, oh, I have to get this farm now. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a very precarious system. It's a, it's, it's a very opportunistic system. You can see it's based on very uh, short term political objectives. It, it's impossible for the long term. And, and again, I, I we cannot stop uh, pointing this out uh, mm-hmm. in, in support of our narrative. It hasn't worked anywhere. Mm-hmm expropriation throughout the world is tied with compensation. Mm -hmm. And the only single time that property is expropriated without compensation as a norm universally is if you're a convicted criminal, then Mm -hmm. your property is taken without compensation. So the fact that government is doing this, it's
0: 100% setting us up for a catastrophe. Mm -hmm. There is no doubt about that. And again, and I just want to quickly put a bookmark here. Guys, we will have Martin on the show quite regularly. Um, I know we're we're sort of all over the show right now, but I I just want us to have a frank, open conversation Mm -hmm. so you see how we sort of... Our ideas pervade into very, um, very many areas of society. Um, Martin, a lot of what we just discussed now really does impact, impact on the potential of any society's economy, the mm-hmm. idea of secure property rights, mm-hmm. um, allowing the market and individuals in the market, mm-hmm. great amounts of freedom and autonomy to be able to do what they need to do to create the wealth. Mm-hmm. And that wealth then, if, If that's the sort of government you are, Mm -hmm. is what you then redistribute in welfare, but ideally not. Um, You want people just to be wealthy, period, in your society. Um, We've spoken about the economic imperatives of our ideas. Um, Let's look at some of the social issues. Mm -hmm. Um, We won't spend too much time here. I want to use, I'll I'll cite a a recent example. First things first, a libertarian, a classical liberal, a liberty-loving individual, how do they view social issues Mm do are we the sort of people who want to get involved in Mm -hmm. people's lives and direct who you can marry who you can have sex with Mm -hmm. um what racial grouping you can belong to is that who we are as liberty loving individuals who are we very briefly and then i'll give an example that we can work off
1: yeah so uh, a libertarian it's it's actually a very narrow political view the the essence of it is that you reject the use of violence to attain goals you believe that property rights should determine who can make make a decision in certain circumstances. That that applies socially, that applies culturally, that applies economically. So my feeling is that libertarians tend to be more inclusive, more progressive. That's the, the, the tendency amongst our mentality. We, we believe in uh, decriminalizing prostitution, decriminalizing mm. drugs, not just because it's coercive, but because we really don't care what other people do. So mm. there, there is definitely a progressive streak in our mentality. There tends to be, that's not to say that there aren't many conservative traditionalist libertarians, mm. uh, and that's perfectly fine, uh, but that's the tendency. But at the end of the day where the rubber meets the road, what we care about is the use of coercion and violence. Mm. And and, and and in most cases, that comes down to law. So when it comes to these social issues, we basically say the law has no place to mm. direct any type of uh, social behavior it doesn't, in fact, we say the law must not recognize marriage. Mm. The marriage act or people, there is this big buhai around the world about. Oh, but we must recognize gay marriages. No, we must recognize no marriages. It's a, it's a contractual uh, phenomenon, and it needs to stay there. It needs to stay in the community, stay in the religion, stay in the church, stay personal. Uh, the government simply has no role there, and that's on the broad what libertarians uh, uh, believe. It's that government has no no in and in, in, in we'll low code standi there is no standing to even be involved in in this in in, in this phenomenon so yeah uh, no control of speech other than the, the immediate threat of force which is part of the act itself uh, but other than that total freedom is is the the, the real liberal position uh,
0: and i want to put something to you as i'm sort of hearing a little bit of feedback in the mic I, my apologies to you listeners if you can hear it um there is then the, the imperative of essentially, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong here, but most of us libertarians actually hold the notion of live and let live. The yeah. idea that um, let, the other, let, let the next person lead exactly the sort of life they want to lead as long as they're not infringing on my mm-hmm. freedom to do exactly the same and vice yes, versa, of course. Yeah. Um, and this is, this was a, a big issue that came up in the news cycle rather recently. Mm. Um, and I did say before the show, I was going to cite it on here. Um, there was a case in Cape Town of a venue, I can't think of its name, but essentially this venue that basically said, look, we the owners of this venue are conservative Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't believe um, or want to associate ourselves with uh, same-sex marriage mm-hmm. for religious reasons. And on that basis, we've opted up for our mm-hmm. business to yep. reflect our values. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, and they uh, politely, mm-hmm. there's was, was no acrimonious, don't mm-hmm. uh, uh, mean about it. Look, politely they declined, I think, a lesbian couple from mm. using their venue. And I think for a second that sort of was like, okay, cool, whatever. Mm. But then obviously social media picked it up and yeah. it became this big brewer um, with the predictable media, the mainstream media coming in again, saying, you know, feigning, of course, being objective, but really mm. h- holding a social justice view on this. Mm-hmm. No, how dare they? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how dare these people um, uh, uh, discriminate and... Um, deny these other people their right mm-hmm. um to to uh, a a a wedding a mm-hmm. uh, same sex wedding don't they know the constitution makes this yeah. uh, illegal um and because it's illegal mm-hmm. the state must step in mm-hmm. the, the conclusion of course on their part the logical mm-hmm. conclusion on their part the state must step in and punish these individuals and force their business to either a um serve uh people who they don't want to associate with or alternatively close the business down mm-hmm. now Martin, I'm gonna let you I'm gonna give you the first bites of this cherry mm. because I literally went mm. before on yeah. social media basically saying that is absolutely not the kind of thing you want to do. Yeah. But set out set it out for us, Martin. Why should the state not be given a place in regulating or rather uh choosing winners and losers, so to speak, yeah. in the situation?
1: Yeah, so let me do the the legal part briefly. Uh this is what i alluded to earlier about how we view the constitution now Pierre de Vos and company are going to totally disagree with what i'm about to say so don't use this in court but this is what i think the actual constitution says so section 18 of the constitution says that everyone has the right to freedom of association there is no proviso there that says unless prohibited by law or unless limited in this way and that way. It says everyone has the right to freedom of association. Yes, Section 9 says that everyone has the right to equality. But Section 9.2, and people like uh, abusing this provision to justify affirmative action, but what it says is that everyone has the right to full and equal enjoyment of all rights and freedoms. That is what Section 9.2 says. That refers to the rights and freedoms in the Bill of Rights. Mm-hmm. The Bill of Rights has no such thing called the right to marry. It's not there. So to rely on the Constitution in this case would be incorrect. Discrimination does not come up here. What has happened in this situation was that the the venue owners have exercised both their property rights, Section 25, and their right to freedom of association. Mm-hmm. And I disagree with their decision to be totally open with you. I, I think it's bad form. Even as a Christian, mm. I think... The market knows only the color green mm. in the US. It's money. They you and I are both in that depend. regard? Yes. In terms of the so, yep. so I disagree completely. I think it's a bad move. But using the force of the state against these owners is a total injustice. Uh, and it's probably going to there's probably going to be some threats and uh, there's going to be a fine or something or an apology Uh, that's totally wrong the state must be totally uninvolved and and the fact is that there are many venues probably in that area i mean this is cape town it's cape town (laughs) so you are going to find a, a venue in that area and after this story they'll probably give it for free just to say hey look at us we are virtuous this these people deny them we're going to give them the venue for free you're gonna get a venue to have your your marriage there and that's brilliant. That That is the market. That is what we've been talking about. It's, it's a beautiful thing where you have choice. Everyone has choice. So if someone chooses not to associate with you, that's also an exercised valid choice. But the point is, there is there's a lot of choices. Now, just let me be absurd for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it won't be absurd for long the state nationalizes wedding, wedding venues, and suddenly we have a homophobe as the president, and he says there will be no recognized lesbian marriages in our wedding venues. You don't have a choice anymore. Mm. It's gone. And that's what the state is doing of sport now. Mm. They're nationalizing sport. Mm. So it may not be absurd for too much longer nationalizing wedding venues. But the point is that in, in liberal thinking, as I said earlier, we tend to be progressive. I think most liberals who say this is really bad. Mm. But you leave them alone. You give them the choice, and you let the market decide. Mm. And in a in a in a in a in a society like like Cape Town, which is almost a soci- society unto itself, mm. a, a progressive society, they will reject okay. that. That. The wedding venue will probably have a lot of social ostracism directed at it over the next few months and years. If the state doesn't close it down, God forbid. Um, but the market will deal with it. Mm-hmm. And all, all the gays and lesbians in this country know now, we're not even going to touch them. Mm. Because they do not accept me for who I am. Mm. So they'll go to other competitors and give them the money. Absolutely. That is the liberal response. Now, the leftist uh, idea is that, no, we must all regiment society so that everyone is forced to be progressive. But why would you want that? That is not a valid choice. You're not a true community if you're forced into it. You're mm. you're not truly progressive, if that has been enforced onto you. You are no valid choice has taken place. It's it's a it's a facade. It's artificial, mm. and nobody should want that.
0: In fact, I, I and I fully agree with your point because I made the point um, on social media, and I'll juxtapose it against the opposing view from a certain D A M P. But um, I made the point to say, look, if an establishment doesn't want uh, to serve me for whatever discriminatory reasons that they hold, then by golly, I would happily not want to spend my hard-earned cash mm. with them. And I don't really see why we ought to force them to accept my money. Mm. Um, there's plenty of other establishments, as as you said, mm. who would gladly take the cash um, and my patronage. But now you have, enter a one... Uh, Pumzile Van Dam, who is a DA member of, of Parliament, who basically says, um, and I'm going to bring up a tweet, uh, uh, Martin, mm. um, and I, I'm not really wanting you to necessarily direct your response to her. Her the who is almost irrelevant. It's mm. the, the idea she articulated. Um, but she basically tweets and says, look, um, if this had been a refusal to marry on the grounds of race, imagine the anger. But because it's the LGBT, basically the alphabet mafia community, some are defending this. Your religion does not give you the right to discriminate. If you're planning to get married at... Named venue, stand in solidarity and cancel. Um, hmm. Now that latter bit, hmm. I don't mind. Um, absolutely, yeah. don't mind that. But um, w- what started happening? Um, the the first bit, I took a little bit of um, uh, grief with the idea that you know people can't discriminate on the grounds of race or uh, gender or whatever the case may be. Of course, people can, and they yeah. do every day. Mm-hmm. Um, the issue becomes: should the state? Uh, punish or step in to to punish that individual. And it comes back to, I'll bring in other case examples here, uh, Martin, because I want you to weigh in on it a little bit. Um, I mean, you had a Vicky Mumberg, for example, um, who was arrested essentially for criminal injuria yeah. um, and given a relatively long sentence for mm-hmm. that. I mean, I don't think had, th- there was a precedent for, precedent no. for that. And mm-hmm. it's kind of setting a dangerous precedent that, that you can actually be jailed mm-hmm. for words in this country yeah, no,
1: that, I mean, the, the Vicky Mumber case was a, was a total injustice. I mean, what she said was disgusting. Absolutely. I, the, the fact that she and Penny Sparrow, I mean, they lost everything. Yeah. Their, their whole lives fell apart. That is justice. That's great. These people need to be kicked, almost exiled from our society. Mm. But the fact that she was sentenced to jail after having not initiated any type of violence against anyone else... Mm is is a perversion of law and it's uh, it's a perversion of criminal mm. urea uh, uh i mean this was a, a relatively serious case where she belittled the police officer repeatedly for like over a few minutes a repeatedly saying, yeah so, so i mean it was relatively serious and i if there's a civil case on his part saying that wow you really like harmed me you you I, i've had uh, stress i've had to go to shrinks for the last year I'm poor because of what you've said to me, Mm. then maybe you can say that in our law, you have a a personality rights based claim for some kind of compensation Mm. from her. Now I would probably also disagree with that, but I'll say, okay, fair enough. The fact that she is uh, been sent to jail mm. is is terribly uh, dangerous. Not just uh, in defense of racists, mm. but in defense of what's next. Mm. Uh, uh, the government was very close in 2016 to criminalizing insu- uh, "quote unquote" insulting people mm. or bringing them into ridic uh, ridiculing them or "quote unquote" bringing them into contempt on the basis of their occupation, on the basis of their beliefs. So imagine that you you insult a racist with the intention of ridiculing them. You have just violated the, the 2016 version of the hate speech bill and you can go to jail for mm. up to five years. That is insane. I mean, it, it, it. Uh, we, people call it the slippery slope fallacy, but I'm not sure it's always a fallacy. Mm. In this country, the government has shown us that it, when, when it starts something, it is a slippery slope. Again, going back to the nationalization of sports, we started in 1994 with property rights are important. It's a right in the Bill of Rights. And now we've ended up with the government literally nationalizing an entire industry of people you know, who are engaged in private voluntary interaction. So it is a slippery slope. And it's, it's particularly true when it comes to, to speech, and expression, um, and 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 we see this with um, with such so innocuous things yeah. as this uh, association thing about, hi, we don't agree with your choice. Please go to our competitors across the road mm-hmm. and and government, and I'm sure it will stepping in and saying no, this is totally unacceptable. And, and I've I've written about this in in, in my legal writing before. The yeah. the right to freedom of association, Section 18 of the Constitution. Basically, it doesn't exist. The, it's, it's dead letter law. Mm. The courts don't recognize it. The commentary doesn't recognize it. Po- uh, parliament, these supposed guardians of the Constitution, don't care about it. But there it is. Who, everyone has a right to freedom of association. Mm. It's a right. It's a, it's a human right, firstly, but it's a constitutional right. And it's it's been totally thrown out the window. And I, I the person you referred to earlier, I think referred to the Constitution in a, in a later tweet, mm. uh, acting as if, her involvement here was in defense of the constitution, whereas mm-hmm. that is totally false. The constitution, and a constitution basically, is all about limiting the scope and power that's of right. the state and, and expanding right. the, the scope of individual liberty. Mm-hmm. Now, you cannot say that us, using the constitution to 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 restrict the scope of liberty and expand the power of the state is a valid use of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's, that's just, again, a perversion of law, as Frederick Bastiat would say.
0: Absolutely. Um, Martin, uh, we must move on as we sort of uh, wrap up our conversation. And I said, we'd look at sort of, you know, economic issues... Um, social issues, and some of the political issues Mm. um, of how a libertarian or a liberty-loving individual, a classical liberal, would view, um, you know, when I I talk about politics, let's look at the role of the state Mm -hmm. and how big the state should be and how it should be structured, you Mm -hmm. know, centralised or decentralised. How would we look at the state and the role of the state? And it's important that we set these all up because I think, I will draw snippets Mm. of a lot of what we we talked about Mm. and cut and and include them in in subsequent shows as the year goes on Mm. to show why the principle is important. Mm. So my view, just Mm. very briefly in 30 seconds, the state should be as decentralized as possible, Mm. um, as close to the people that is as possible. And I'm using lefty uh, rhetoric here, close to the people. (laughs) Um, Mm. But essentially, um, you shouldn't have centralized authority. And if... I were to postulate how a South Africa should look like, and you can do the same if you want. Um, it should be as federal as possible, mm-hmm. with each region co- as having as much autonomy mm-hmm. as possible, uh, local as possible, decentralized as possible, um, and as least power as possible, mm-hmm. um, with, with the, the, the role of the state being really mm-hmm. just limited. But I want you to set it out for us, mm-hmm. the role of the state, the politics in South mm-hmm. Africa, how does a libertarian or a liberty-loving guy mm-hmm. uh, look at it?
1: Yeah, so uh, there's a lot of debate here. Many people disagree. Uh, And uh, my approach to it is basically this. The state as an institution, as a universal institution, I'm not talking about the South African state, but the state as a concept almost, is a very specific institution with a very specific goal that is weaved into its bones. Mm -hmm. And that is to protect people's property and their liberty. Mm-hmm. It, that is the extent of it. So, the, the example I always give, because I think it's illustrative, is that you will not ask the nursery that you take your children to to sanction Iran or to, to, uh, uh, to, to build bombs, because that's ridiculous. Why would you ask the nursery that you take your children to to do that? And for me, as a libertarian, that is exactly what I see happening with the state. Here is this institution, its role is very simple, very clear. Yet it's doing all these wonderful things for everyone. And if you ask something and parliament agrees, they'll pass a law and, wow, suddenly magic happens. Mm-hmm. And suddenly it's part of the role of the state. That is, it's 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 beyond ridiculous to me. So as a libertarian, a classical liberal, I would say that the role of the state is simply limited to protecting people's property and protecting their liberty. There is nothing else. So that would apply even on the local level. So I don't think local level should be given as much autonomy as possible mm-hmm. because then we move into what uh for lack of a better word, a lot of alt right libertarians, which I totally disagree uh, with say, and that is that it doesn't matter what the what the state does it just matters that it's very localized it's localism i think that's a I think mm. that your local government can oppress you just as hard mm. as any national government but of course I agree that decentralization is absolutely part of libertarianism mm. but not only uh, a, a geographic decentralization but also the institutional decentralization I think Switzerland is a, a, a beautiful example. Mm. Well, they, for
0: example they don't have
1: they don't have a a single president. Yeah. Every year they have a different president which rotates amongst their federal council. And their that system of government is very decentralized. Uh uh Certain parliaments have uh, upper house veto, which if the lower house, which is usually the commons, the, the ordinary people, the passions of the moment, send legislation up, the more, the, the, there's only the theory, the more uh, experienced uh, uh, statesmen in the upper house can veto it. Now, South Africa doesn't have that. We have an useless institution called the National Council of Provinces, mm. which just puts a rubber stamp on anything the National Assembly sends them, so it's useless. Um, But these are the types of things that libertarians want in their state. They want a president with as little power, if anything, uh, if any power at all, and they want a a legislature or probably no legislature at at all because the the idea of creating law is also somewhat uh, odd because Mm. the law is what the law is. And and, I don't want to bore your listeners with legal history, but (laughs) the, 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 the... the originating idea of a parliament was to to simply represent the people, not quote-unquote make law. Mm. Law was not something that the people saw as being made. It's something that, just existed and judges found the law in that specific cir- circumstance. Mm-hmm. And parliament at the end of the day codified existing law and that developed into this idea of creating law. Mm-hmm. So the existence of a legislature like parliament in a libertarian state is up to debate. Mm-hmm. But if it should exist, uh, the only things that it, it, it should be able to do is create legislation that protects your liberty, protects your property, nothing else. Um, and then of course, I think the most important element in libertarian governance is the court system. Mm. Libertarians are all about avoiding conflict mm. and adjudicating conflict. So we have we put a lot of uh, emphasis on a uh, a good court system, uh, not a centralized court system, but a, have as many courts as possible, mm. uh, almost a competition between courts. And then you'll, you'll eventually come to a, a more uh, reasoned and insightful and uh, better judgment the, more you move through the system. That's just the nature of legal development. So this is the idea of the the libertarian state. But I think more than just a constitutional change, we absolutely need a mentality change. And the, the problem in South Africa, around the world, but particularly here, is that we think... Government is, is mommy and government is daddy. Mm. And when we have a problem, we must ask them for help. Now, I see a lot of on the, on television people really have these terrible stories of their businesses falling apart because of government, by mm-hmm. the way. But then saying, oh, but government has not done enough mm. to uplift us. And I'm like, you shouldn't be asking for it because you're asking for trouble. Mm. Uh, so it's a mentality change. We need to see, find in ourselves uh, and in our communities the solutions to our problems rather than looking to the state, which in our country's history has always and consistently just oppressed the most vulnerable people and i can promise all the listeners that it will continue to do so unless we have this mentality change and we reduce the state to the small size that it needs to be
0: martin we've run out of time how do the people find you
1: uh, so I am most active on Facebook, so you can like my page. It is uh, facebook.com slash martin van Staden Liberty, one word, or just search for me, martin von Staden. Uh, I'm, I'm on Twitter, that's at martin underscore ASFL. I'm not that active there, but you'll find all the necessary information about uh, what I've done, the books I've written, uh, articles I've written on my website. That is www.martinvanstaden.com, one word. Perfect. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Martin
0: from Staden, of course, is from the Free Market Foundation. A big thank you to him for joining us on the show. And uh, thank you to the listener for listening to this, the first episode of Liberty and Friends for 2020. Guys, remember, we're looking to syndicate this show and it'll soon be on your local community radio station. So if you have a favorite favorite radio station, ask for them to bring on the Liberty and Friends and the big Liberty show to your radio station. But I'll give you more of those details in subsequent shows guys thank you so much i'm your favorite fat boy big daddy liberty remember never trust a kami.